Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. How many of you have seen the movie Citizen Kane? You know the movie? Oh, yeah, you movie bus back there. Yeah, we got a few of you. Uh, movie, yeah, movie. A lot of you, uh, it's a book. Uh, book. Yeah, well, it was, actually, it was a book. Uh, made into a movie by Orson Welles. You may know that name. It's the first movie that he actually produced, directed. He was actually the lead character in the movie. But it's about a man, uh, Charles Foster Kane. He's a newspaper tycoon. And his dying words were... What word did you remember? Rosebud. Yeah, that was his dying word, rosebud. And it left people baffled. They're like, rosebud, what does this mean? Because he was a very mysterious character, very self-focused, egocentric man. But he was, um, so his, his dying word were rosebud. And so a newspaper reporter is given the responsibility of interviewing his friends and family to try to determine uh, what this word meant, try to solve the puzzle of this man's life. And the interviews and the subsequent flashbacks of Cain's life give us kind of different perspectives, five different perspectives on his life. He should have led, he should have really had life by the tail. He should have been totally happy and uh, content, but instead, um, what is revealed is that this wealthy businessman was lonely and he sought fulfillment and satisfaction in his life through so many things, through relationships. Through possessions, through success and status, but it all came up empty for him. And at the end of his life, he would concur with Solomon, who said it's all vanity. And what does vanity mean? Do you remember? We hear the word vanity in in the book of Ecclesiastes. One helpful thing for me is just when you read the word vanity, it means it just doesn't satisfy. And so that was that was Charles Foster Kane's. his thoughts. It didn't satisfy. In fact, um, in the last scene of the movie, you remember the last scene, Hunter, of the movie? It's his his huge mansion with these really high ceilings, and it's just all his possessions. They had taken, and this is after he passed away, they had taken all his possessions and they put them in these crates, and they're just stacked high, you know, stories high in his home, and there's this big, huge furnace. And what they're doing is these, these people, random people, they're just throwing his possessions into this huge furnace and one of the last things that it shows is one of the possessions that was thrown into the fire was his sled and on the sled was the name Rosebud and so here this man who's had all these events happen in his life a very exciting life in the world's eyes but yet the one thing that found him comfort in life as he's dying on his deathbed is, is some childhood memories back in the day but all this adult life, all this thing was just vanity, meaningless, right? It just didn't satisfy. Well, we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes, and we finished chapter 2 last week. Solomon is the wisest man who's ever lived. He's on a quest to find the purpose for life. What's the purpose in life? 
under the sun. And we said, remember, we said he's looking horizontally, right? He's taking a real worldly perspective, right? He's, uh, he's not considering God's sovereignty and he's disregarding God's providence. He's not thinking about spiritual things at all. And he's testing everything people look to for meaning in life. And what has he tested so far? New things, right? Things that are new. He says, well, nothing's really new because what happens very quickly it becomes old, right? Worn out. You get tired of it, right? He's also uh, tested wisdom. What if we what if we're with, we have a lot of wisdom and we're really intelligent? Will that bring satisfaction to us? And he says, no, actually, that brings more grief because the more you know sometimes, the more grievous life can become, right? It's kind of like this idea that ignorance is bliss sometimes. In fact, it is. He also tested pleasure. He was, he was a hedonist, right? Whatever he wanted to do, he did, right? And, and he could do it because he was the king and he was wealthy and he had time, right? And he had money. And he tested possessions. And all these did was just make him thirst for more, right? He was never satisfied. But what about a legacy? Leaving a legacy to your children. And he, that didn't satisfy either. Why do we say that didn't satisfy? You remember? Because some people, all the things they work for, they leave them to irresponsible children, right? Who don't value the same things that you value, right? And so our immediate context is chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give it to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. So what we concluded last week is that we should seek pleasure in God. We have to bring God back into the equation, right? We have to realize that all good things that we have come from the Lord. And even our trials and the struggles we have, they have a purpose in our life. God is using. He's sovereign. And even as the difficulty we have in life, God is using in our life for His purposes, right? To make us more like Himself, right? And give Him glory, okay? So that's where we are. That's our immediate context. We need to um, remember the theme as well, right? Life without God's meaningless. But also for the believer, even though we're believers, sometimes life is just frustrating, right? We have difficulty and frustrations occur, right? So that's the theme. We said also that we can't study this book, even parts of the book, without remembering the conclusion, right? Now Solomon is, as you read it, he's not a cynic or he's not a pessimist. And even as Brian is reading the text, you're thinking, wow, that's kind of, this is the Bible? That's kind of depressing, right? But he's not a pessimist and he's not faithless either, right? We have to remember his conclusion. Remember his conclusion in chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. What was his conclusion? Fear God and keep his commandments. Why? Because judgment's coming, right? So he's not faithless. He has faith. But what he's doing is he's just viewing life and then it, through the eyes of a, a lost person or a carnal person. He's saying, can these things satisfy? And so far, his conclusion has been, no. We can only find satisfaction in God. We can only find satisfaction in God. Well, there's four things we're going to learn from chapter 3. I'm just going to point them out to us real quickly. The first thing is the time rules over us, but God reigns over time. Verses 1 through 11. Unable to enjoy life apart from God, Solomon now breaks down life into events. And notice there's 14 pair of events mentioned here. And these represent all of life's happening. See, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plan, a time to, to pluck up what is planted. 
See, these are seasons of life. And the thing about it is, these seasons of life, they're not chosen by us. Did you choose when you would be born? Do you choose when you'll die? No. Time rules over us, right? The movements of the planets, right? They dictate time for us, right? One day those will stop, and our watches and our clocks, they'll all be thrown away, right? They'll all be tossed aside. We won't need them anymore, right? But until then, guess what? Time rules over us, right? We plant in the spring, right? You don't plant whenever you want to. No, you plant in the spring so you can harvest in the summer, right? It just time dictates what we do. Seasons of life. They dictate how we live our lives, right? There's a time, it says, a time for war and a time for peace there in verse, verse 8. Franklin D. Roosevelt, he said on December 7th, 1941. Anybody know what that day, what happened on that day? It was Pearl Harbor, yeah. Franklin D. Roosevelt, he said that that day would live in infamy. Before 8 o'clock, those of you young folks don't know much about World War II, eight o'clock, before 8 o'clock, Hundreds of Japanese planes flew in Pearl Harbor and, and bombed Pearl Harbor. Now, at the time, the president and the American people were trying to stay out of the war, right? Well, guess what? Sometimes you have to respond to the season of life you're in, right? And so what happened? America got into the war, right? We don't always control what happens to us. And it's never convenient, is it? It's never convenient to have uh, to go to the funeral home or to go to the doctor. It's never convenient to have a flat tire. It's never really convenient to care for aging parents, right? But what did we learn last week? Remember what we learned last week that we have to find enjoyment and, and, and rejoice in God's good graces. Enjoy the good times because they are fleeting. We don't have long the time of laughter will last. We need to enjoy those times. Cherish those times. Just as in nature, human life has cycles, doesn't it? In China, we had four children, two years apart, several of them in diapers, and just kept telling Jenny, you know, this is just a season of life. You know, we're just in the busy season, we call it. We're just in the busy season of life, and we were. It was just really busy. And, uh, but it is a season of life, right? Um, we, but we can't control it. And there's just kind of a monotony about it, right? We just kind of move along. Um, yeah, and I'm seeing people today that I haven't seen in, in 15 years, right? And uh, and say, yeah, you're, yeah. You look at me and say, yeah, you, you look older. <laughs> yeah. And you can't do anything about it, right? It's just the seasons of life we're going through, right? Yeah, we can't control it. Um, Look at verse 9. What gain has a worker from his toil? That's what we ask. He asks, what is the value in a person's endeavor? What's the use? What kind of return are we getting for an investment? Look at all these things. They're all opposites, right? They all kind of cancel each other out. And these things just kind of represent all of life, right? But some people might say, what's the use? And it's a rhetorical question, not meant to be answered. But... And it appears, again, Solomon is facing despair, right? He's going back into his depression. But time controls us, right? So what's the use? In a carnal, fleshly perspective, it's gloomy and dismal. What's the use in life? It's just, 
we can't see the significance of these events happening in our lives, right? We can't see the purpose behind a pain or a premature death or deteriorating health or inconveniences, right? But time rules over us. Something we have to remember. But you know, the good thing is that God reigns over time. Look at verse 10 and 11. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. It seems like life's a mess sometimes, and it doesn't make sense. But you know, there's a method to the madness. That's what verse 10 and 11 are saying. There's a method to the madness. There's, there's a method to the madness because God is sovereign over all things. He's ruling over every single event and every season of our life. Just as He rules over nature and calls the sun to rise every day, right? You get up, the sun's going to rise, right? At just the right time. He rules over, in, in the same way He rules over our lives, governing all the events. He's sovereign. And his sovereignty has chronology. Listen to this, Charles Wendall. He says, Our lives may sometimes look like a confused collage of clashing colors, but if we were to step back and consider them from God's vantage point, we would view them as an ordered mosaic of complementary hues. Only the divine perspective can reveal the meaning and worth of our lives. On its own, the human perspective will only see vanity. See, we oftentimes, from our perspective, think that God is he's a little too late. Or He's a little too early, right? We don't always understand His timing. It's kind of like Jeannie. We were in, um, we were in Louisville. We had... Uh, she had finished seminary. She got her master's, and I was still in school, so we were working full-time, uh, in school full-time, and recently married, you know, and living off love, didn't have much. And uh, Jenny graduated from Southern, and we knew we were going to go overseas, and so she wanted to get her, her uh, BSN. They had a program at the University of Louisville. It was a year-long program, and she had a, a physiology background, uh, and so she had all her prereqs done, and she said, okay, we can do this program and in a year she can get her BSN and not that she wanted to work you know but we're going overseas it, it might be helpful you know going overseas needing medical care someone who's got some experience that would be great and so we paid the money for the tuition and we, you know we didn't have a lot at that time just getting by and uh, kind of living week to week kind of deal and uh, paid the money and she began to go through that program well pretty soon she found out she was pregnant we weren't planning it you know New to marriage, she's, she, she's pregnant. And so she goes to the, the folks in the, in the front office and she says, look, I find out I'm, I'm in this program. It's a year long, but I find out I'm, I'm pregnant and this is when I'm due. Can I still finish the program? They're like, well, we've never had anybody have a child and, and, and finish this program, but you can. It's fine. Just remember, you can only miss three days of clinicals. And Jenny's like, well, you know. Not that she couldn't go back to school, but it's like, man, she just wanted to be home with her first child, you know? And so we're like, yeah, there's just no brainer for us. So she, she dropped out. But I mean, sometimes we're thinking, Lord, what was that all about? That don't make any sense because we didn't have any money, you know? And we spent a lot of money on this, on this tuition. It's like, what? Well, you know, you, you think about those things. What's the purpose in that? That don't make any sense. From our perspective, right? That don't make, it don't make any sense. We don't understand His timing, right? But we need to know that His timing is always on time. He's sovereignly ruling over all things and even His sovereignty 
the Asylum Rule has chronology. Right? And the New Testament Scripture confirms this. Romans 8, 28, you know that Scripture? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to His purpose, right? Yeah, God's using these things in our lives. He has a purpose behind it. And it is good for us. We don't understand it, but God is sovereignly ruling over time. The second thing, and we'll close, the second thing we learn today, not only does time rule over us, but God reigns over time. Thank you, Jesus. But the second thing is we all long for something beyond us. Look at the second part of verse 11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. We all long for something beyond us. We all have this insatiable desire to know the future, a deep longing for heaven, for something else. The thing about it is we were created to live forever. We were created to have a relationship with God, but because of our sin, of course, that relationship's broken. And so everything's just off kilter. And so a lot of things just don't make sense. And we're always longing for something else. He created us in such a way that our thirst to know the future cannot begin to be quenched until we trust Him. That's just how we're made. C.S. Lewis, he writes in the book Mere Christianity. If you've never read that book, you need to read it. Mere Christianity. He says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for these desires exists. A baby feels hungry. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there are such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. Augustine, the great theologian, he says, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Isn't it interesting? Even our longing for meaning in life is just under God's providential watch. So what we see this morning is we are ruled by time, seasons of life, but God reigns over those seasons of life. But He has given us a desire for more than what we have. And that He does that to draw us to Himself. You say, well, application. What's the application today? And I'll close. For un- the unbeliever, if you're unrepentant, if you've never repented and trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, never turned over your life to Him, I want to say there's just more life than what you have. You'll not be satisfied until you repent and, ju- and trust what Jesus has done for you. And I've been there, 17 years old, going to college, had everything. My family, we had a great relationship. I was going to uni- university. Um, everything was good in life. I had great friends, had a lot of fun. I'm driving down Beaver Road, coming, coming home and uh, after football practice. And I remember saying to myself, there's got to be more to life than what I have. And it kind of rattled me because I'm thinking, why am I thinking these thoughts? I should be happy. Everything's going well for me. 
some people say, we know the Lord, he, he captures our heart. He gets our attention through our difficult times. And he does. But for me, it was the opposite. Everything's going wonderful, perfect. Everything a 17-year-old boy could want. About to graduate, about to go to college. Everything is going great. But I'm, I'm driving, I'm thinking, man, is this it? Is this all there is? Just going to school, having a good time, going home, going da-da-da-da. I was like, there's got to be more life than this. Some of you may be having the same thoughts. There's got to be more life than what I have. And maybe your life's not going well. Maybe it's not going well for you. You're going through difficulty. I mean, is this it? It's not. We were made for eternity. We were made to have a relationship with God. You're only going to be satisfied when you repent and trust what Jesus has done for you 2,000 years ago. So I encourage you to repent. Jesus died for you. He took the punishment you deserve. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all rebelled against God. We're at enmity with Him. We deserve His wrath. And He's promised to give it to us because He's just. If you're yet to repent, the Bible says that you're dead already. When you die, you'll be separated from God for all eternity in hell. In hell, He'll pour out His wrath upon you because that's what you deserve. And that's what I deserve. But the Bible says that God loves you so much that He sent Jesus, His Son, to earth who became a man who completely, perfectly obeyed the law of God. He obeyed it in our place and He died in our place. He took our punishment. The punishment you should receive, He took upon Himself. He died and He was buried on the third day. The Bible says He rose from the grave to conquer sin and death. He ascended into heaven. The Bible says Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he'll come back in judgment. And he'll judge. He'll judge us. And those who've yet to repent will be judged. Repent today, unbeliever. If you've never repented, repent. Trust Jesus. He loves you. He wants you to know him. That's why you were created. That's why things just don't make sense. It just don't fit together. There's just, you're not satisfied. There's got to be more life than this. There is. There's a relationship with God. The God of the universe. He wants you to know Him. You, he, you can know Him today if you repent and trust Jesus. If you don't know how to do that, you don't know what all that entails, just talk to me. I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. After service, come up to me. You, you find another, maybe someone invited you today. You know they're a believer. You can ask them. You can ask me. What does it mean to repent and believe? I don't really totally understand that. I'd love to be able to talk to you more about that. For the unbeliever, I say repent and trust Christ. Only then can you be satisfied because that's what you're created for. To the believer, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, we're victims of time, you could say, right? Yeah, we don't have we don't have control over the seasons of our life. So all I can say, I think, is just make the best use of our time. Again, from last week, enjoy the good grace of God. When you're going through a sweet time in life and God's being gracious to you and you're healthy and your family's doing well and your kids are obeying you, go to bed saying, thank you, Jesus. My kids obey me. We didn't have any fight. I didn't, I didn't have to discipline any kids. My wife loves me today. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Rejoice and be thankful for our, God's good graces because you know what? Tomorrow's another day. And tomorrow, we may have to deal with life frustrations. 
But then when, when the frustrations come, again, application, when frustrations come right now, some of you are going through difficult times. Maybe in marriage, maybe with health, maybe with dealing with just finding whatever. Those things, God knows all about it. And I'm not saying if you pray to Him, He'll take away your problems. That doesn't work. He's not Santa Claus. But He is providentially ruling over every event in your life. And so know, because you're going through this hard time, this frustrating time, it's, it's not just for no reason. There's a reason. And that gives us hope. God, I know I don't understand this hard time, but I know you're, you're using it. Romans 8, 28 says, for those of us who love you, who've been called according to your purpose, you're making this, you're, you're using this for your glory. You have a purpose. There's a reason behind it. I can just trust you. No, you're using this somehow to make you more like yourself and give yourself glory. So for believer, rejoice in your God's good graces. And lastly, believer, make good use of your time. Moses, he wrote it in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Make the most use of our time. You know, we, time is, is fleeting, isn't it? I mean, it's 12-12. Somebody's, Rick's mad at me, but I'm closing it up. Uh, I'm wrapping it up. Um, think about time. I mean, we, it's just so precious, isn't it? And I mean, your, your day timer is full, right? It's just, it's just one thing after another. We're just so busy. And if we're getting busier all the time. Just make the most of your time. And think about the things that we waste time on. Now, there's times that we need to relax, right? We need to be able to relax. We need to be able to watch a movie, TV. The Olympics are on. That's kind of, that's, Gina, we love Olympics. We don't even have a TV. We can't even watch the Olympics. So we go to mom and dad's. Um, the Olympics are on. It's fun to watch the Olympics, watch the movies, doing Facebook and all those things. Those are, those are, that's fine. Do those things. Enjoy those things. But don't waste all your time doing those things. Make the most of your time. Be good stewards of your time. Okay? Be good stewards of your time. Lord, help us to number our days. All right? Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.